What's up, youth? It's Pastor Aaron. Stoked for you guys to listen to this message. Check it out. Well, good to see all of you. Uh, if there's any newbies this morning, uh, my name is Aaron. I'm the youth pastor, uh, and it's good to have you guys. Um, and it is Palm Sunday, and you may be wondering, what the heck is that? I don't even know what that is. I understand Easter and Good Friday, but what's the deal with this Palm Sunday day? I don't understand it. Well, um, we're going to talk all about it today. Um, Palm Sunday is has been celebrated for the last 2,000 years of church history, and um, a lot of you probably don't know what it's about. So we're going to talk about it today, and uh, I'm excited. I did want to uh, re-emphasize um, for this next week, I know maybe a lot of you guys are traveling. If so, that's awesome for you. But um, those of you who are sticking around, Wednesday night at middle school, uh, Pastor Luke's going to be preaching um, on Wednesday of Holy Week, which is the day that Jesus was anointed um, in, Be- uh, in a place called Bethany. Uh, on Thursday, we have Rob Payne speaking again for high school, which is going to be dope. I'm excited for that. And then on Friday, Luke's going to lead us uh, in Good Friday service um, about, uh, talking about taking communion together and talk about the crucifixion um, of Jesus. And then on Saturday, for all you high schoolers, I want to encourage you to sign up and come to watch The Passion of the Christ with us. I promise you this movie is going to impact you. It's tough to watch, um, but go talk to your parents about it. Sign up online because um, they're going to need to sign a waiver because it is rated R. Um, so because it's pretty, pretty dang graphic, but it is very powerful. It's just this visual of what Jesus did for us, the lengths um, that he went to um, th- to die for us and um, what uh, happened there. So, and then next Sunday, we're going to celebrate Resurrection Sunday together. I am super, super excited for that. It's probably, I think I love Easter, Resurrection Sunday, whatever you want to call it. I, I think I love, that's like my favorite church service of the entire year. It's just so much fun. So, um, without going any further, we're going to um, dive straight into it today. So, This message may sound a little bit different. It may be a little bit different than you're used to from me, um, but just bear with me. So let's jump right into it. I'm gonna start with a story. And you may not believe this story, okay? Title title of my talk today is um, Triumph and Tragedy, by the way, if you want a title. But you may not believe this story, but it really did happen, okay? On October 30th, 1938, aliens invaded America. It all struck down in a place called Grover's Mill near Princeton University when a UFO crash-landed on a farm and a monstrous invasion ensued. A man named Carl Phillips was live on CBS radio station reporting the news while millions of Americans in terror listened close by the radio stations to the horrifying news. More aliens touched ground. Chicago, St. Louis, major cities. It was absolute chaos in the streets. Churches were having emergency prayer meetings. Women went into labor early. Americans genuinely believed that life as we knew it, life as we know it was over. Now, if this story sounds unbelievable, it's not. It actually happened. Well, part of it. The chaos, the early labor, the emergency church meetings, the chaos in the street, the paranoia, that all really happened. But aliens, however, did not actually invade America. What actually happened was, is that in 1938, most of people's entertainment and news came from listening to the radio. So you listened to fiction shows on the radio as a family, and they'd gather around. But it was also the place that, where they got their news, and the president would address the nation. Families would crowd around their, their radio stations in the evening to listen to their favorite fiction stories acted out or catch up on the news. 
But that becomes a problem when Americans are tuning into what they think is a hit show, a fiction show called The Chase and Sunburn Hour. But what it actually was being played on accident was Orson Welles' The War of the Worlds, <laughs> which at the time of airing sounded like a real-life reporting of aliens invading America. So these people's reaction, millions of Americans listening into what they thought was real life happening right now news was actually a misunderstanding. It was actually an accident. Their reaction was real and expected, but it was based on a mistake and a misunderstanding. Why do I share that story with you? It's because sometimes we have real emotions and real reactions to things that we are actually misunderstood about. And Palm Sunday is actually just that. Palm Sunday is an amazing day. It's, and we're going to read in a second exactly what this day is about. But a lot of what we read about and what we're celebrating is actually based on a misunderstanding. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but we'll really understand um, today just what it means that Jesus came and what it doesn't mean. Like I said, you probably understand Resurrection Sunday and Good Friday but asking yourself, what do we make, why do we make a big deal about Palm Sunday? And today we're going to learn why Palm Sunday is both a triumph and a tragedy of misunderstanding. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we desire you to speak this morning. Lord, I ask that we would lean in to what your word is teaching us. God, give us an accurate view of who Jesus is. Give us an accurate view of what it means that he came, of what his message is, of who he is, God. We love you and we praise you. Amen. So imagine this for a second. You're living in a country that's dominated by a more powerful country. They mistreat you. They make your life terrible. They make your life miserable. And for hundreds of years, these people dominate over your country. But your family and your friends, your community, there was this these whispers of one day this person would come and he would dominate the government and he would raise up an army and lead a rebellion and he would take back the nation. Your grandparents were waiting for him to come and your parents were waiting for him to come. And now you, you're waiting for him to come. But one day, somebody starts talking about this guy who's going around announcing that the kingdom is here now. So you start thinking, dude, this is the guy. This is the anointed one that everyone's talked about. He's gonna destroy the Romans and we're gonna rule over everything. It's gonna be sick. And you hear that he's coming to town. So you pack up all your stuff, you get with your family and you go to the town gates because this dude is coming to town. That's Palm Sunday. The Jews in, the, in that day had been waiting hundreds of years for the Messiah, the anointed one, to come and what they thought he was gonna do was they believed that he was going to raise up this army and he was going to destroy the Romans and him along with the Jewish people were going to rule all the earth. That was their longing. That was their belief in what the Messiah was going to do. So when Jesus comes on the scene, they want to coronate and worship him and they lay down palm branches in the streets. It's symbolic of what they would do back in the day when a king was coming to town, they would do this and it was this a symbolic gesture of saying, that man is the king. But the problem was, is they didn't actually understand the true reason that Jesus had come and how his kingdom was actually going to be established. And within days, the same people that in one breath were saying, Hosanna, 
blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord, those same people only a few days later would find themselves screaming, crucify him, crucify him. Matthew chapter, one, Matthew chapter 21, verse one is where we pick up. Now, when they drew near Jer- Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying, go into the village opposite you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold your king. Everyone say king. Everyone say king. Just making sure you're alive. Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. That's Zechariah 9.9, by the way. So the disciples went and and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches. And John, it specifies and says that they were palm branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth in Galilee. Hosanna is this fancy word that means save now. It means save us. Now at face value, this is an awesome story. It's a great story. Jesus is coming to town. He's riding on a donkey. It's symbolic that he's coming in peace. It's awesome. And these people come and they worship him. And they're saying, Hosanna, you're awesome. Palm branches, the whole deal. It's a great story, but it was actually all based on a misunderstanding of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Their worship was actually misguided and it was skewed. And because of that, their worship quickly shifted to hatred and malice. Fast forward to Matthew 27. This is during basically Jesus's trial, so to speak. And Pontius Pilate, the Roman officials, trying to find fault in Jesus, a reason to kill him, basically. Pilate said to them, what shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? And they said to him, let him be crucified. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather a tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And listen, these are the words of the same people that Days before, we're saying, Hosanna, blessed be the one who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, his blood be on us and on our children. How is that possible? How is it possible within a few days, people who were saying, Hosanna to the son of David, welcoming him with worship and palm branches and declaring that he's the king. How could some of those people within a few days be crying out for the Roman guards to crucify him. How does that work? Because I've thought about this a lot lately. Why is it that some of us, or that some people, I've been in youth ministry almost eight years now, why is it that there's so many students in middle school and high school who move on to high school or move on to college and move on with their lives and what was once a flaming faith of zeal and excitement for Jesus dies out and actually becomes malice and resentment 
for Christianity. How does that happen? I think it's because some of us have maybe a wrong view of who Jesus is and what he came to do. Much like these Jews who are at one moment worshiping him and then the next declaring and begging, crucify him, crucify him, his blood be on our hands. They had a wrong view. They were expecting a vicious tyrant to come and raise up an army and destroy the Romans so that they could rule over the face of the earth. But Jesus' message and Jesus' arrival was actually about something totally different. He didn't come to destroy his enemies, but to die for them. We need to understand who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. Now, there are a million and a half ideas of who Jesus is and what his goal is. If you talk to one side of the political aisle, you'll find that they say he was a socialist feminist immigrant who came to liberate the marginalized and the minorities, okay? And another side of the aisle that sees Jesus as a white-skinned patriot fighting for the rights given to us in the Constitution, okay? And you got some people just saying, well, he was just like every other religious figure. He was just a, like a good dude who had some good things to say. He was no different than Buddha or Muhammad or, or Gandhi or Mother Teresa, okay? He's just one of these good teachers, But there are some who I believe correctly believe, believe that he was the son of God and he came to die as the savior of mankind. So how do we find out on this Palm Sunday what he came to do? What did he come to accomplish? Did he come to overthrow the Romans and and, and make right what was wrong and injustice? Well, yes, but not in the way that the Jews thought he was going to and hence why they didn't believe in him as the Messiah. That he couldn't see it. And all over the book of John, this is why new believers, we point new believers to the book of John because there's so many declarative statements about Jesus where he says, I came to, or I am this, or I am that, I came to do this. We're gonna talk about three of them for the next few minutes. Number one, Jesus came to be the light. John 12, 46 says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the world around us is dark and it is getting only darker. There is evil and injustice at every turn. Everywhere we look, there's, even in the news this past week, I mean, this world is getting darker and darker. And I don't say that to scare you. Actually, I'm about to give you hope because the darker it is, the brighter the light shines. In the one of the best movies I've ever seen, The Dark Knight by Christopher Nolan. Harvey Dent says, the night is darkest just before the dawn, but I promise you the dawn is coming. Well, friends, the dawn has come. Jesus came into the world as the light of the world. And if you grew up in Sunday school like I did, you know the, this little light of mine song. And my son, uh, he loves these Bible Christian music videos. And the one for the, this little light of mine song is this little animated light bulb. And he's walking around this very dark city. And everywhere he's walking, it just kind of illuminates his immediate circle around him. And he's just kind of walking through, marching through the street. And the music's playing. And by the end of this music video, there's a vast ocean of light bulbs all walking around this dark city. And what happens when all these light bulbs with their little light around them are marching together? The whole city is lit up. Christ came to be the light of the world, not just for us to see the light, but be brought into it. That I don't have to walk in darkness. I don't have to 
be disheartened when I see things on the news, tragic events that happened. I mean, and it's sad and we grieve and we mourn, but we also have hope that Jesus says, take heart, I've overcome the world. His light has come. And as believers, we're reflections of that light. It's like when you were a kid and, you know, you'd catch on, on, on a watch or on a phone or something, you catch the sunlight and use it to light something else up. As a, in the same way, we, we are a reflection of the light of Christ illuminating all those around us. Number two, he came to bring life. John eleven twenty five 25 said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. We say it all the time, but Jesus didn't come to make bad people good, but to bring the dead to life. This belief system, this following Jesus is not behavior modification. Okay, I'm a Christian now, so I just gotta try to be a good person and cuss less. No, it's so much greater than that. It's that I was once dead in my sin and in Christ I'm brought to life. It's just like being in a nightmare and waking up from it in the morning. It's like you wake up and you're like, oh my, okay, thank God that was just a dream. I've had some weird dreams lately. I think I'm eating too late in the night. That's probably the problem. And I'm having weird dreams, okay? And I wake up in the morning, I'm like, whoo, okay, thank God. Like there's not a dragon with 40 heads chasing me. Okay, sweet, it was just a dream. The life that Jesus offers is just that. Spiritually waking up to new life in him. John 10.10, 10, you know it. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came so that they would have life and have it abundantly. If it's trying to steal from you, kill or destroy you, you know it's not part of the kingdom of God. Whether it's something that you're seeing in the news or words that were spoken to you by someone you trusted that hurt you and cut you to the core. Actions taken against you or actions you've taken yourself that result in destruction. It's not the kingdom of God. What Jesus promises is, I wanna give you life and life abundantly, but many of us are just existing. Just breathing isn't life abundantly. Just existing is not a life abundantly. Just having friends isn't life abundantly. Just getting into that college isn't life abundantly. Just getting in a relationship is not life abundantly. You're not designed to just exist, but to experience life to the full in Christ. And how do we do that? How do we take advantage of everything that God has promised us and spoken to us? It's walking with him. It's believing that life comes from him, not trying to architect a life for myself, but believing that Jesus has given me new life, that I'm yield to him, I belong to him. And finally, as we close, he came to be the lamb. John 1, The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I love the verbiage here. Now, obviously, if you read the Old Testament, you know, this is, this is a, a, a picture. Jesus is pictured as the Lamb. He's a sacrificial Lamb for us. But I love that John doesn't say, here comes the Lion who's going to destroy ruthlessly all of our enemies. No, he says, here comes the Lamb of God who's come to Take away the sin of the world. This is what Palm Sunday is all about.
that it's not a vicious tyrant who's come to have it his own way, but rather here comes the lamb coming through the gates of Jerusalem who within a few short days would lay down his life for the sin of many. Not some warrior tyrant that's come to destroy our enemies, but lay down his life like a lamb to the slaughter for those enemies. Palm Sunday is celebrating that Jesus has not just arrived in Jerusalem, but said yes to a beautiful tragedy. I like to think the closer Jesus got to the crucifixion, probably the more real it all became. We'll talk about it this, this coming week, but the night before he was, the night he was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, he literally, he was so stressed and anxious, he sweat blood. That's how stressed, that's how, dare I say, fearful. He knew what was coming, but he said yes to this beautiful tragedy. And he was fully human, he could have backed out. But I love his language in the garden, and I'm breaking from my notes because I feel it's important. I love when he's sitting in the garden and Jesus, God in the flesh, is literally praying to the Father in heaven. He's saying, Father, let this cup pass from me. Basically saying, God, give me a way out. But then he says, but not my will but thy will be done. Jesus says yes to this tragedy and this whole week is actually a celebration. Beginning with Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, onto his crucifixion at Calvary and unto the empty tomb of everlasting victory. And in closing, I'll give you a preview of next Sunday's message. Not that you're asking for it, but I'm gonna give you a preview. This story is not the only time in scripture when King Jesus is worshiped with palm branches. Revelation 7, verse 9. This is after this great tribulation and these are, this is a picture of the end of time. It says, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands, crying out with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And to the lamb. Friends, today and this week, we're not celebrating that 2,000 years ago somebody came to just make our lives better. We're not celebrating that, well, boys, we're not celebrating that he came to just tell us, oh, you need to behave better. No, we're celebrating that Jesus came in the flesh, stepped into humanity, and said yes to this beautiful mission, this rescue mission of humanity. And what's that mission? It's that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus said, I will pay the price. I'll be the mediator. 
He laid down his life for us. I love the picture of the slaughtered lamb wearing a crown of glory because this lamb laid down his life for us. Jesus said yes to the crucifixion, was raised on Sunday, and is now forever seated. And so our response is not, Jesus, I worship you because you're going to make me rich. Jesus, you're so great, and I worship you because you're going to make my life awesome. Jesus, I worship you because, like, my parents say you're cool. No, it's, God, I worship you because you're the king. You're the king over all things. So I stand here and I say, all hail to King Jesus. That every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We're going to close in a song of worship. And don't get me wrong. This story of Palm Sunday is a great story. But it was misdirected worship. And Jesus received their worship. He even said, if they don't worship me, the rocks are going to cry out. But I don't know about you. When I worship and I sing to God, I want my motives to be pure. I want to have a right, accurate view of what I'm doing. That he's on the throne. He's over all things. He died for my sin. So I raise my hands and I worship him. And I say, God, you're right. Jesus, you are right. You should be in that place of royalty. And I'm submitted to you. You're the king, and I'm in the kingdom. So I give you the praise and the glory that you're due, God, this morning. We ask that you would help us see you rightly. Lord, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. You didn't stay dead in the grave, but on Resurrection Sunday, you didn't just beat our sin on the cross. You didn't just put to death our mistakes and the things we've done wrong. You said, even death can't hold me. Lord, we look forward to next Sunday and the celebration that it is. But God, today, we say you're the king and we give you glory. We love you, Lord. Amen. Hope you guys got a ton out of that message. I know I did. If you want to connect with us here at The Rock Youth, follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church YTH. Subscribe to us on YouTube or Spotify by searching The Rock YTH or text The Rock Youth MS or The Rock Youth HS to 33222 for texting updates on everything going on at The Rock Youth. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed. See you next time.